What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast, episode 65. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my favorite friend and co-host, Mr. Chris Rivers. Chris, how's your week been? Pretty good, man. Uh, short work, well, not a short work week, but no overtime at all, so. Which is that, abnormal that nice. for you, so I would say short work yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. How's your week, man? It's been, it's been pretty good. I mean, it's just a normal, I think a normal week this week, I... Played some new games, which we'll talk about when we get there. And other than that, it's just been a, a pretty chill week, which is what I like, you know. Yeah. Nothing crazy, nothing yeah. out of the ordinary. So besides the house You're... being next door being sold, I'm hoping we get some fun neighbors. And yeah. which odds are with the housing market now, probably not. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> is Fury settling in? A little bit more. He, you know, every day is, is new. Like today, he's done well. He's been outside a lot because he's been in the 70s here. So he's been outside playing around, chewing on sticks, which is what he does. Come in, sleep for a little bit. But he's been just a little bit still. So still chewing, but better, if yeah. I think at least. So who knows? What do I know? <laughs> guys quick housekeeping before we get into this episode don't forget to subscribe to either our youtube or podcasting service of your choice if you enjoy the show make sure you leave us a thumbs up on youtube or give us a good rating for whatever podcasting app you are using if you don't enjoy what you see or hear make sure you leave us a comment or get us send us an email so how we can improve the show uh if you want to do more you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide toss us a couple dollars that way for a couple different tiers if you want to do that for some goodies but Chris, I want to talk about it. You know, no Superman and Lois this week, but we mm-hmm. do have Moon Knight episode two titled Summon the Suit. I'm actually going to Decider.com, and this is by uh, Sean T. Collins for this recap, which is a pretty good one if I have to say so myself. Same thing, spoilers all about. If you haven't watched the episode, uh, just skip this part or uh, just pause it, watch the episode, and come back. So... Steven slash Mark starts the episode by getting sacked from his job at the museum where security footage establishes that he trashed the restroom single-handedly. Apparently the jack of monsters don't appear on camera. I thought this was a funny little scene. He's like, I'm yeah. not crazy. I didn't, this was, do not wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Try a different camera angle. And nothing. It was just, he's like, oh, you're the one that sacked the loo. <laughs> it was great. I just love it. Um, Which he would, he would have to be amazingly strong mm-hmm. to have done the damage that he did. I mean, we're, we're living in MCU world, though, so really, yeah, sky's the limit, still, nobody knows. <laughs> the, these, fo- these folks knew him. Yeah. Well, some of them did. The other ones just kind of tolerated him. Yeah. Uh, using a key, he found his apartment along with a cell phone through which he spoke with a mysterious woman named Layla last episode. He tracks down his slash March storage locker, which contains a passport, a gun, and tons of cash. A little cot there, a little safe house um, uh-huh. storage unit here. Uh, we see Khonshu appear. He flees from the bird, uh, bird skull deity returns home where Layla uh, shows up. Turns out it's his wife and she knows him as Mark. She's wise to all the supernatural goings on and she also wants a divorce, which I thought was very weird. You know, she's like, uh, Steven, who is, who's this new character you made up this time or whatever? And right. you think you would know your husband, but I guess there's a little shaky ground here between the two. So, who, who really knows? Um, all the while, Mark keeps appearing to Stephen in reflective surfaces, demanding control of their shared body, warning him not to involve Layla in any of this. This is a lot for Stephen to handle. She sees the um, the scarab. The scarab. She takes the scarab from him, 
uh, gets worse. He's almost immediately arrested by two cops who are quite obviously not cops at all, but members of Haro's cult. They bring him to a little community Harrow has founded there in London under the remit of the sun goddess Amit. Harrow explains to Stephen that while conscious justice is retributive, occurring only after someone has been wronged, Amit kills the guilty before they've even committed a crime. Stephen, showing more of the smarts than he has in the past, quickly realizes that this could well mean killing children before they grow up to do harm, and he is not down with it. So a lot to take in here. Uh, we find out that Harrow used to be the avatar for Conchu. And so he knows exactly what he's thinking. I thought that was a really fun scene. He, you know, he's, uh, he said, uh, Conchu says something. And Harold says, oh, did he just tell you to kill me? That's his own justice and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah. can you hear him too? And it's just great. And uh, I love the same thing with last episode, the reflective surfaces of Mark that we really enjoyed uh -huh. the last of the episode. They really put it in this one. I just think it's fun and just great cinematography, the way that, there's two different reflective surfaces and two different characters being played. And, yeah. you know, I just, that's what I really enjoy about this one so far. It's fun. Yeah. They, uh, and then they flip it by the end of the episode. Right. And, yeah. oh, that yeah. was a good, like, oh, the end of the episode was really well done. And I'm hoping it's not really how we're going to do these. Like, you don't have a whole lot of action up until the end. And, like, I want to see the suit being used for the majority of it and then these qualms and stuff like that. But it's, I mean, we have six episodes. So we have to build story up somehow and we're starting yeah. to get this, this side of the world fleshed out a little bit more. Um, we've seen a, in the car ride over to the little compound. We see that Mark Spector is this guy's name, uh, killed a bunch of people like execution style, had them handcuffed and shot him in the back of the head, things like that. And Egypt, and find out he's not really a good guy. He's uh, not who we thought he was. And Steven obviously is not okay with it. And just like he's not okay with the, the way Amit's doing things, of prejudging people based on who they are and things like that. There, there's a movie. What's that movie called? That Minority Report. Minority Report does the same exact thing. Yeah. And um, but I thought that was realize, very cool. Do you realize how many people would have lost it if he'd mentioned that movie? You mean like Minority Report? Right. This is because just like Tom exactly Cruise was in it. Yeah. So. And people would have been like, oh, they're they're dropping a hint about Tom Cruise. Right. Which, you never know with Doctor Strange. He's rumored, you know, use that loosely to be in it. So we'll see. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Layla shows up, as does the new Jackal monster who, monster who pursues them both. That's when Steven summons the suit. Which, to be sure, is a look, and this one is just a white mask uh, with a little crescent moon on it and an actual suit. And he said, you told me to summon the suit, so I summoned a suit, and it looks like he's going to a party. <laughs> just yeah. like a formal attire party. Not that it looks great. good, though. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. And I wonder if we're going to get mo more suits or if it's going to be these two that we see here. Um, yeah. But to successfully fight the invisible Jacko monster, he relinquishes control of his body to Mark Persona and Mark Moon Knight, now properly attired, clean the house. Unfortunately, the Scarab got lost in the shuffle during the fight and flight, and Haro recovers it for some poor sap. He immediately uses his magic powers to kill. Now, Steven is on the inside, and the Mark Persona has firm control of their body. He's desperate to spare Layla from his own fate. Conchu, you see, has designed to make it her his next avatar if he dies. Steven remains disgusted with the whole thing, saying he was nothing to do with it, or with a man named Mark who hurts people the way he does. Conchu does not particularly care. He quickly whisks Mark's away to Egypt, where the adventures will no doubt continue. 
really, like you said earlier, I really enjoyed this scene of Stephen on the inside and the panic that Stephen has. He goes, is this what this is like? He goes, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. And he said, this is how I have been. Mark says this is how I've been for a while. And then he loses it and just crushes the glass and everything. And then Khonshu starts talking to him again. And then they do whisk him off to, to Egypt. And I was like, oh, I said, we're about to go to Egypt. And sure enough, he opens the thing, and we are in Egypt. So I'm very curious to see where we go from here. We've gone from, looks like Sweden to uh, England, and now we're going to Egypt. We're going places in this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it was um, it was interesting because Stephen comments that he, he has trouble breathing. And... Uh, not only does he have trouble breathing, but in part because of that, he feels anxious right. when he's when he's trapped in the reflection. And Mark's like, "You'll get used to it. Just breathe through it." Yeah, not. And it was but, very second, like push offish. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Just breathe through it." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh man, you've you've been watching Stephen for however long. We still have a timeline for when Stephen was made until now." But I want to know what else was in the duffel bag. Because, oh, you know, he yeah. had the money, and he had the scarab, and he, he had, had the, the passport. Gun, the passport. And the gun. So, what? Was there something else in there? Right. That, that, that was a big duffel bag. Yeah. So. Curious. Who knows? And I don't know if the duffel, I don't know if he'll come back into the piece, because he did get whisked away straight to Egypt. Now, Layla is not in Egypt, so. And we don't know that he has yeah. the scarab. What did, the country knows we have the scarab. So. Yeah, and and that's the other thing too that we find out in the episode is Kanchu, um is willing to let Mark cease being his avatar, but mm-hmm. only if Layla takes up the mantle, and he doesn't want that for Layla. So right, he's willing to do the deal or whatever he's got to get done. Yeah, and I'm like, this Kanchu is turns out not so much a good guy yet. So nah, I'm nah. very curious to see how his character develops through all this too. So. Uh, what would this episode be without some Easter eggs? We're going straight on here to the storage facility. There's a QR code, which just like the first episode, if you paused it and downloaded it, you get a Werewolf by Night issue, which is where Moon Knight is making his debut. Uh, MC Mark Spector shares his comic counterparts, Home City. In the Marvel comics, Mark Spector hails from Chicago, Illinois, honoring his co-creator, Doug Munch, Munch maybe. Though we've only seen Stephen Grant as the world's least conceiving Cockney so far, Moon Knight Episode 2 reveals Mark's passport, confirming the Windy City as his live-action birthplace as well. May Kalamawi's Layla is MCU's Marlene Alaroon. Despite their different names, MCU theorists have long suggested May Kalamawi's Moon Knight character Layla is actually a live-action interpretation of Mark Spector's comic book love interest Marlene. Moon Knight all but confirms this episode two, revealing Layla is already Mark's wife. Both characters also share a deep interest in Egyptian culture, and Layla being Marlene would also address how she knows about Mark Mark's Moon Knight transformation. So, yeah. uh, there is a man in the ice reference, referencing Captain America. When Stephen Grant takes his surprise new wife back to his flat, uh, Layla admires Stephen's extensive collection of books, almost as if she never realized her husband was so well read. Standing beside one particular shelf, the spine of a book over Layla's right shoulder reads, The Man in the Ice. Now, The Man in the Ice is a genuine archaeology volume written by Conrad Spindler. In the MCU, however, Man in the Ice can only ever mean one thing, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police are from Marvel Comics. Just as Stephen Grant begins wrapping his head around a wife, 
Moon Knight episode 2 brings a pair of police detectives to his door, DC, Fitzgerald, and DC Kennedy. But he glances toward the end credits reveals this pair by the real names, Bobby and Billy. In Moon Knight's comic adventures, Bobby and Billy were orderlies working at a hospital in which Mark Spector was imprisoned by Amit. Pretty cool. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, Mark Spector's file nods to Moon Knight's producer and comic debut. En route to the rendezvous with Harrow, Bobby pulls up Mark Spector's Interpol file, revealing its extensive list of violent crimes. Mark's, oh, excuse me, Mark's profile page also proffers two great Marvel Easter eggs. Firstly, the, the file numbers list is 1975, the year Moon Knight debuted. Secondly, the assigned agent is Nick Pepin, which honors a long-serving Marvel producer of the same name. Pepin has been with the franchise since Captain America's Civil War and serves as manager of production and development on Moon Knight. Pretty cool way to do that. Uh, that's not really a thing. Not really a thing. Uh, attempting to sell Amit's brand of preemptive justice to Stephen Grant, Arthur Harrow broaches the age-old baby Hitler debate if you could travel back in time and murder Hitler as a child, should you? The MCU has, of course, already addressed this matter before. After inventing time travel in Avengers Endgame, Rhodey and Hulk engaged in a back and forth over the moral complexity of killing a little purple baby Thanos. Despite his stance on the Mad Titan, War Machine might look less kindly upon Arthur Harrow's philosophy. Uh, his magic. Arthur Harrow summoned his jackal minion off-screen in Moon Knight Episode 1, but in Episode 2, we see the spell being cast. Curiously, the magic Harrow uses adopts a purple hue. Different types of magic are color-coded in the MCU. Their purple was previously established as dark magic by WandaVision's Agatha Harkness. Maybe it's a coincidence, mm -hmm. or Marvel retconning its magic rules again, but the sim similarity could confirm that just as Harrow siphons his magic from Amit, Harkness was drawing hers from another god such as Chiton. So maybe uh steven grant's moon knight and layla battle against the jackal a red london bus stands in the background the billboard on the side bears an advertisement for the grc the global reparation council was introduced to falcon winter soldier as an organization dealing with the aftermath of the snap so a little bit more world building there uh same bus yeah. different easter egg atop the vehicle's white roof is the code wbn0032 on the surface, this reference slips by a seemingly innocuous bus number. In reality, however, the combination of the numbers and letters is a coded tribute to Moon Knight's comic debut. WBN0032 stands for Werewolf by Night, number 32. The first appearance of Conchu's costumed Aaron Boy. Um, Moon Knight Episode 1, our debut, is titular character's primary costume, a very similar design to the original comics, but Episode 2 reveals much more. When Stephen Grant summons the suit in place of Mark Spector, his Moon Knight armor becomes an actual tuxedo with Dr. Manhattan-esque mask over the entire head. This design takes inspiration from Mr. Knight, a version of the hero introduced in Mar by Marvel in 2014's Ward Ellis and Declan Shalvey run. During his latest Jackal Scrap, Moon Knight wields night sticks and moon-shaped blades. Both of these can be found in the source material, where the blades are crafted from adamantium, the same metal used on Wolverine. So, huh. Mm, maybe. Maybe it's been under our nose the whole time. Yeah. And that is all for this week, Easter egg-wise. So not a, not too terribly crazy ones, but still some fun ones. I, I'm really enjoying where this series is going. It's the same thing, though. I just want more. And every time the episode ends, I'm like, I, I still want more. Uh, I'm excited to see what we're going to do in Egypt, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be... That's going to be interesting. So, obviously, Layla, we're not done with her. Right. She'll so be how does she get... Win. How does she get there? Well, how does she know where he's at? Yeah. So, he's teleport. I mean, who's going to feed Gus? 
the fish. Yeah, that that's uh, that's, that's the most what I'm worried about. Yeah, you know, the fish with two fins now. One of his fins will fall off. Right. Well, we can't have that anymore. Um, notable news this week: The Witcher season three is officially in production with a plot reveal. We're going to the Twitter directly for them for this, and they also give us a little plot reveal here. They sent us a behind-the-scenes photo, which is Geralt, Siri, and maybe Unifer um, sitting in the snow. I'm showing the the video people here, but it's just them on set with snow. So we'll see what it is. But they do reveal us a plot. As monarchs, mages, and beasts of the continent compete to capture her, Geralt takes Ciri of Sintra into hiding, determined to protect his newly reunited family against those who threaten to destroy it. Entrusted with Ciri's magical training, Yennefer leads them to a protected fortress of Eretuza, where she hopes to discover more about the girl's untipped powers. Instead, they discover they've landed in a battlefield of political corruption, dark magic, and treachery. They must fight back, put everything on the line, or risk losing each other forever. Can't freaking wait i mean anything with henry cavill i just can't wait to see any more of it but we did see a um some of this in season two of the witcher the political and the treachery already starting to happen start to build this story and i just can't wait for more so maybe maybe the end of this year we get more episodes but maybe i think that i think that pans out if not the beginning of next year so um, numbers for the premiere of Moon Knight are in. I'm going to get fandom.com for these numbers. 1.8 million U.S. households watched Moon Knight in the first five days. Hmm. L- Loki had 2.5 million. The Falcon and Winter Soldier had an equal of 1.8 million. WandaVision, 1.6. And Hawkeye, 1.5. So we're sitting right there with the second place. So, which is crazy not- to me that Moon Knight's got more than WandaVision and Hawkeye in the first five days. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not bad, because all the others had the hype of the movies. Right, they're already established characters. Yeah, and Moon Knight, not so much. I can't believe Moon Knight got more than, like, Hawkeye, and everyone loved Hawkeye. Now, the question's going to be, what do the second episode numbers look like? Right, see if people fell off, or... Yeah, how many people stayed with it? That's a good question. But another fun one here, Robert Downey Jr. to executive produce Sherlock Holmes TV franchise at HBO Max. We're going to Deadline.com by Nelly Andreva and Peter White. We hear that two potential spinoffs, well, let me go make sure I'm right here. HBO Max and Warner Brothers are looking to build a Sherlock Holmes film TV universe in the mold of the TV series offshoots of Suicide Squad and the Batman on the Warner Media streamer. We hear that two potential spinoff series from the Warner Brothers movie fan tr- franchise starring Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law are early, early development HBO Max. Executive produced by Team Downey's Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Downey, each of the proposed series would focus on a different character. Uh, unlike the Suicide Squad offshoot Peacemaker and the Batman's Penguin, which are built on existing characters, we're being told that Sherlock Holmes spinoffs would revolve around characters that have not been introduced yet. So, that's interesting that I have not been introduced. Do we see an Enola Holmes? I, I doubt know. it, but we'll see. Do we see? Do we see people from the movies appear mm. in guest shots and stuff? Right. Does Robert Downey Jr. see like in the premiere to help kind of transition things over? Or I don't know. It's a good. Right. It's a good question. I would hope so. I also heard something about, and this just popped into my head. Uh, apparently, Discovery has purchased their purchase went through on HBO, mm. uh, and. 
I think Warner Brothers might have been in that. Yeah. So I wonder how that'll how that'll impact uh, some of the stuff. Hopefully for DCE the board. better, but you know who knows. <laughs> they might come in and make changes to right. that. I'd be okay with that because they, yeah. especially with the way that Ezra Miller is doing right now, the press and stories of being on told on told on set. Uh, Did. Yeah, I need to put that in. Let's see. I, let now, I don't know if the source was reliable because it was as I was scrolling about 10 minutes before we started recording, but uh, I saw some headlines. Stephen Amell wants to return his Green Arrow on HBO Max. Where? Oh, I need to see that. I'd be okay with it. There's a lot of people right now. There's a whole, you know, change.org where you'll sign your petitions and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But after all these reports came out from Ezra, Mil- Ezra Miller, everyone is saying put uh, Grant Gustin's Flash in the movies and make him the, the Flash. And I'm like, right. yeah, that makes way too much sense. But why would we yeah. do that? Um, right. So Ezra Miller, you know, he got arrested a couple weeks ago for assault in Hawaii. So apparently and there's a new report, and I'm going on screen rant by Grant Hermans on this one. A new report reveals that Ezra Miller had frequent meltdowns on the Flash movie set, though sources state they were not violent outbursts. Miller made their debut in the... Ex- oh, I don't care about that. I want to... Give me the juicy gossip. Um, well, he made the threats against an old KKK group. Yeah. he's Ezra Miller's a very a different individual. Like uh-huh. it, um, like the, this particular group isn't even around anymore. Right. And, and he's like threatening to kill him, and yeah, it's so uh, they say as the star continues to be the center of controversy. Rolling Stone has brought word that Ezra Miller reportedly had frequent meltdowns on the set. Sources note that this behavior didn't result in any vocal or violent outbursts from the star, but rather periods in which Miller was losing it. Which oh, was that even mean? So if it's not vocal, right, and it's not violent, I mean, he could have been crying or right. But that you would think it would still involve vocal if he's losing it, <laughs> right? So I, I don't, I don't take all that with I, a grain of salt. I guess I don't, I don't know. I don't even think that movie's really real until we actually see it. So to be honest, um, lies. <laughs> the next story here: Lock and Key will be ending with season three. The upcoming season was always conceived as the end of the series per Netflix geeked. Uh, have not seen season two yet. But season one was a lot of fun based on the comics from uh, Dark Horse. And I need to watch it. But considering season three is almost upon us, I might just wait and watch them all together. So, yeah. And no new releases this week. Nothing. It's, we're oh. hitting that dry period of, or hitting that lull until the summer shows start back up. So, yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Same thing with video um, games, though. So, I'm, I'm yeah. backlogged now. Which is fine. Um, did you watch any other movies this week? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Watched a lot of okay. podcasts this week, and yeah. just our movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I watched um, when it was a game two. Who was that? So last week, huh? I said, well, oh, you watched the first one last week, right? I watched the first one last week, and this one, it's more home home movie footage from players and fans mm-hmm. of older baseball players. Um, it still goes back to the 30s with the film in this one, but it comes up to as far as 1961. Okay. There's a third one that comes up even later. 
So I'll be watching that this week. But it's interesting if if you're a fan of baseball history, it's kind of cool oh, yeah. to to see these players in color, right? That normally you've only seen in black and white. You know, it's crazy. Technology is something else, man. The yeah. way that we could go in and put the correct colors in. Well, I like think this was thing. color film. Oh, this okay. But yeah, I don't know why if it was that available to fans and players for their cameras. Right. They, I guess, newsreel. It was just cheaper, cheaper to do it yeah. in black and white. So we watched The Untouchables this week. Now, had you seen this before? First time. Okay, this is probably like the fifth or sixth time I've watched this. Um, it's the story of Elliot Ness and The Untouchables taking down Al Capone. It is not completely historically accurate. A lot of things are fictionalized, or as Hollywood will do, they condense certain events so that two or three things happen together um, for the purposes of time. It's it's a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll even take multiple people and mesh them together into one character so that they can get certain events in the movie. And, um, but I think as far as members of his team went in the movie, they were all based on actual people, even if the name changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I recall hearing, Ness never really encountered Capone face-to-face. Oh, really? So Yeah, so there's two scenes in the movie, the staircase scene in the hotel. Which was intense. Yeah, and, and, then, <laughs> and then the courtroom scene where they have that face-to-face encounter. Mm-hmm. Huh. Never happened. It was done for the purposes of the movie. Um, but the story is basically that Capone is on this crime wave. It's prohibition. Ness puts together his team of untouchables, one of whom is an, is an accountant. And he starts following the numbers, mm-hmm. which is how they ultimately get him. Um, and uh, in the process, a number of people are killed, obviously. Um even the guy, one of the last kills in the movie, um, I think his first name was Frank, but Nitty, the the Billy Drago character that wore the white suit, mm-hmm. he um, he doesn't actually die that way in real life. He actually, in real life, took over the Empire. Oh, really? When Capone went to prison. Okay. But... Uh, so they did take some creative licenses. With that being said, I really love this movie. Yeah. I, I gave this like four stars. I gave it four. Uh, I, I knocked it down. It would have been five if it were historically accurate. Mm-hmm. And I think if they were making it today, it would be. Right. More so than more so than this. Uh, directed by Brian De Palma. Um one of it's not it's not Kevin Costner's first movie role, but it's it's early in his career. Uh, this was 1987. Um, the violence in a lot of cases <laughs> was not expecting that. <laughs> not of a 1987 it's, movie. <laughs> that's one thing that probably is historically accurate, though, mm-hmm. is in that world the number of people that 
got killed and how they got killed. I mean, the the dinner scene with uh, Capone where he has the baseball bat. Mm-hmm. I knew it was coming and, that whole time, too. I was like, and this, he's about to hit somebody. Yeah. It, it's a 35-year-old movie, so we'll, we'll go into some detail. So one of the uh, liquor shipments had been confiscated, and the guy who was in charge of that one was sitting at the table. Uh, and Capone starts using this baseball analogy about teamwork mm-hmm. and versus the individual, and he gets behind the guy, and he just clocks him in the head with the <laughs> baseball bat. And then after his, his head's laying on the table, Capone just beats him, like, what, three, four more times. Mm-hmm. And then they show the aftermath of it. It's just blood. <laughs> and Yeah. But now, in, in real life, a similar thing happened with Capone um, with a baseball bat. But it involved three people that he hit at a table like that. Mm. They were... They, they worked for him, and they were planning to kill him and take over the gang. And he got word of it. So he beat three people to death with a baseball bat. Uh, which would kind of drive home the point not to... Yeah, yeah not, not, not to do anything. No, <laughs> not to screw don't him with Capone. Mess, <laughs> no, don't mess with the boss. Uh, I just, I really like the movie. The, uh, the scene in the train station is iconic mm-hmm. with the baby carriage and the, and the shootout that happens around the baby. And, it's awesome. Uh, the, this How was, the mom didn't get killed is, you know, mind boggling to me, but. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the, the carriage takes a couple of shots. Right. Uh, and the baby's fine. Yeah. You know, um, really Charles Martin Smith plays, um, the accountant, um, uh, Oscar Wallace. Oscar Wallace. Andy Garcia's in this and a great performance. Mm-hmm. Um Sean Connery, of course. Oh. Dude, every so every scene he was in was just legendary. I I love watching Sean Connery. I really even do. his even his death scene mm-hmm. was was just this it's like, oh man. Yeah. You you felt it. Right. It was so great. Um Yeah. Four stars. Check it out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really really good movie. I I give it four stars as well. It I was not really uh, not really you know I didn't know a whole bunch about this movie except that it was a one of your classic movies that people refer to as a classic. And man, I loved it. I really loved it. It started off a little slow for me, but like once it starts picking up and you're kind of following the story after you've been introduced to your characters, and I was like, okay, I think I think it started really getting into it on the Canadian border and the bridge when it was a shootout and Sean Connery does that iconic thing that dude's already dead. He puts the bullet in his mouth. He goes, okay, you're not going to talk huh? and shoots him straight in the face. I was like, okay, I really like yeah. this movie. <laughs> and the guy goes, okay, I'll talk. I'll talk. Whatever you need to know, I'll talk. Yeah. And, and then the, you get the, the um, elevator scene. And you knew something uh-huh. was going to happen. Like, you just could feel it. And you could feel the way that the, they were filming everything. Something's going to happen right now. Right. And I was not expecting uh, uh, Oscar to get killed like that at all. Because uh, they just, he shoots the guy. I was like, okay, cool. And then the police officer turns and shoots him. shows his face. And he gets shot. And then we go to the bottom of the elevator. And you see that the police officers have been shot. Obviously, everybody in Chicago is corrupt by Capone at this point. Yeah. And 
you would get down there and then written in blood, you know, you got your brain splatter here and it says touchable and it's got him hanging yeah. up on the, on the little elevator hook. I said, Oh, that's so yeah. good. And then of course you get the, the Sean Connery scene. And what's so that one, what I really enjoyed because he's walking down the hallway with the guy, he's got the guy, the, the gun. He said, Oh, you thought you were coming with a knife. You thought that was going to do anything to me. He goes, who brings a knife to a gunfight? And yeah. he walks out the door and I was like, the whole time I was thinking, I was like, this is a little too, uh, too easy for an Al Capone guy, yeah. and or not not too easy, but too uh, poorly set up and thought out. And then you come past the, the threshold of his apartment's uh, door, and there's a guy with the Tommy gun just mows him down. And I said, oh yeah. my god! So I loved it. It was very very well done. What what was so odd about that scene too was, you would think. It's one of Capone's guys. He's there to kill you. You right. think he'd kill him, but he's gonna let him go. Right. He just chases him out. He just wants to know uh, he's not afraid of him. I I love the bit that Elliot Ness, um, uh, obviously you know played by played by Kevin Costner. Um, I love the bit at the end where he he bluffs the judge. Yo, that was so good. I was wondering <laughs> this whole time. I was like, this guy's got he got everything paid for. The judge is like, you know. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, I'm not going to allow this. And then they throw that little hail mary. He said, "I told him his name was on the list, on the ledger." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, dude, that's great!" Because like he says, you know, bringing the jury from the divorce case over here. And I was yeah. like, "That is so badass!" And everyone's like, "You can't do that!" And all this other stuff. And they start throwing insults at each other, and you know, yeah. gets arrested. Then Capone's lawyers like, "We plead guilty." Yeah, we, we plead. Plead. <laughs> just switches immediately. <laughs> Loved it, dude. But this it's, is it's, it's a great movie. It's a great performance from Costner too. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this was kind of a, a foreshadowing of the character he would play, like four years later in JFK when he played Jim Garrison, another oh. another law. Well, in that in that case, a lawyer. I say another lawyer. Elliot Ness wasn't a lawyer, right. but um, yeah, it's 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 just one of those great. He he plays this sort of part really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very similar character in a lot of ways to um, his character in Field of Dreams. It's it's got a hopefulness to it. He did a lot trying. of movies in a small span of time. He did. Good lord. He, he took advantage of being on top. Yeah. He was like I mean, I'm smart. Just keep... Yeah. Well, I'm sure and it, yeah, he's career. still. I mean. He's back on top now with uh, with Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't know he was in that either. I keep mm-hmm. forgetting he's uh, Jonathan Kent in Justice League. Yeah. So. And, so. Uh, and Superman. So. But yeah, and an amazing film. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely check it out. It's uh, well worth it. That All wouldn't it. be one I wouldn't mind having like a a steel book or a Blu-ray version of if they ever. Yeah. I don't know if they ever made one of it, but. It's out on it's out on Blu-ray, but I don't know if yeah, I don't know if they've done a uh, I don't know if they've done an updated version since then. The Blu-ray came out for the thirty thirtieth or thirty fifth anniversary, so it would have been two thousand seven to two thousand twelve. Let's see, because this is uh, a movie that I would honestly love to own. So yeah, oh, they do have a steelbook. 4K UHD. Oh, see. Uh, from Target. Got, gotta get it. Gotta get it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, pre-order. Rele- oh, it's actually release date of May 31st this year. Oh, well, Shut this was timely. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, I am pre-ordering that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. so next week we're going to watch another film that I think we've both seen uh, mm-hmm. before, but we've never talked about it on the show. And that is the Robert Downey Jr. film, Sherlock Holmes. Now we've we've reviewed Enola Holmes. Correct. In a different Holmes universe. But we haven't we haven't checked out this movie officially for the podcast. So we're gonna be doing that. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fun. It is on Netflix for anyone that wants to check it out. I think I own this one, though. I think I've got the two-pack of the I two I think films. I've got the two-pack as well. From yeah. It's just normal DVD, though. But So that's what I'll be watching. I won't be streaming it. But I almost forgot about... Because I knew I was going to watch my Blu-ray of The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Right? And... I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll shower and I'll watch it and then I'll go to sleep. And as I was about to watch The Untouchables, I was like, oh, crap, I forgot to watch Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched Moon Knight first and then The Untouchables. And two completely. Had, uh, I wish it had digital as well. But yeah. Anyways, it's ordered. <laughs> um, only movie news comes from Forbes and Scott Mendelson. Box office. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 nabs Bafo $27 million Friday, but ambulance crashes. Mm-hmm. Of course, the main part of the story is about Sonic, which raced to a $26.5 million Friday, mm-hmm. including $6.2 million in Thursday previews. Which is great. For this movie. That is. Phenomenal that is. And, and we mentioned, I think, last episode that Jim Carrey announced his retirement. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and said he's this still might going be... with it. We're not still saying it's an April Fool's joke. So, And this might be the one franchise he would come back out of retirement for. So, yeah. Looks and... like they might be making a third one based on these numbers. Right. Um, no, they're, they're already making so, a third one. Because they're making a third one. They're doing a spinoff series with Knuckles. That's right. I think that's it. That's so for right now. They're estimating it should open with anywhere from 67 to $73 million it, Friday to Sunday opening week. It was $71 million last time I looked. So they hit their estimate. Yeah. Which is nuts. <laughs> um. Ambulance, which was also mentioned in the title, earned just $3.2 million on yeah. its first Friday. That one, I'm not really surprised by. The preview looked interesting, but it didn't look like a movie that I'm going to get out to right. go to theaters I've, to see. It's your classic Michael Bay action flick. Yeah. And I'm just like, eh, okay, but I don't, you know, I'm not going to go see it in theaters. No. So. And I think we're at that point with film going where people are going to be more selective. They'll go see the MCU movies yes. in theaters. Which, They'll speaking go of, see... we will be. Uh, opening yes. night, Doctor Strange. 
Got tickets, yes. great hey, seats, hey. and oh, I can't wait. And there's talks that rumor because we still don't have a um, Thor: Love and Thunder preview yet, which is we're getting now to the shortest. We it is officially the shortest movie without a trailer until release ever. Like it's beating Spider Man and everything. So, but they're saying really? that you know how Spider Man No Way Home, the post credit scene, um, the second post credit scene was the Doctor Strange trailer. They're saying that's what it's going to do for this one. They're trying to bring that trailer stuff back. So. Ah, uh, we'll see. Gotcha. Because you know that's how they did it with like the Fox movies. They put, um, uh-huh. they did it with the even with Avengers. They put yeah. it at the end of um, Captain America's movie. Yeah. So it's gonna be. I'm really excited about that one because it just cracks me up though because they're doing press tours for Love and Thunder right now, and everyone's and like, no, but and we no don't have a, Yeah, we don't have a trailer, <laughs> so we have no idea what's going on in this movie. So that's that was funny. <laughs> Releases this week. Uh, for April 11 to April 17, there are there's one, Fantastic Beasts three, The Secrets of Dumbledore, in cinemas, April the 15th. So we continue continue in the Rowling verse, mm-hmm. which everything every, but no, everything's a verse now. Yeah, I mean you, everything has to be monster verse. It's DCEU, uh, MCU. <laughs> you know that it it's kind of an interesting thing though, right? Because when you have someone like that attached to one of these properties, mm-hmm. you don't want to you don't want to put money in their pocket, but at the same time, you don't want to hurt the people that worked on stuff, there. right? And that their income is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very much. Well, that's that's the big thing right now with Hogwarts Legacy, which is a, a huge. Uh, Harry Potter video game coming out by uh, the end of this year, supposedly. And it's everyone's you create your own character essentially, and you go through and live the life of someone who lives in Hogwarts and is a student there. Everyone's been wanting for it. The game looks incredible and looks like a lot of fun. But there's the big moral dilemma: I don't want to give J.K. Rowling cash, but I also want to support these developers that worked really hard on this that has nothing to do with J.K. Rowling and her beliefs or anything. They're making a game in this world everyone's wanted, but it's not like you can help it. But some people say she's already been paid for, so it doesn't matter how well the game does. But also, we're a small percentage who knows and cares about these things. The rest of the world is is oblivious to things. And I have to understand Uh that like when I'm on gaming Twitter, is what I call it, it's a very small portion of video game buyers and none right. of everyone's paying attention to any of this stuff. So, right. Really yeah. Knows? I mean, if everyone that paid attention to it said, we're not buying it, that might hit her pocket by 40 or $50,000. She wouldn't even I mean, notice it. Yeah. No, but the developers who have they worked will. on it for several years are not going to get their bonuses. They're not going to get, I mean, they're not going to get what they're, what they're owed and due. And they may get downsized. Right. They, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things like it's, it's unfortunate. The same thing with Activision, like uh, the whole Bobby Kotick thing. Everyone's like, I don't want to buy do anything Activision. Well, what about the developers that are working on these games and this is their lifestyle? And yeah, it's the ones that are actually being sexually abused. But yeah. It, anyways, Chris, what you been playing this week? <laughs> uh, I've just been grinding on MLB The Show 22. Man, still I've enjoying been... it? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Good. Uh, I finally beat the. National 
conquest map, awesome. which is is fun. So, yeah, it's. I have been. I got back into Elden Ring on Friday, and I can't stop playing it. Um, and that's why I've been playing majority this weekend. And but I also I started two new games this week. I'm gonna start with the fun, the funny one. So there is a game on Game Pass called Lawnmower Simulator. <laughs> so what? Uh, yeah, I downloaded it. And so what it is is you start your own lawn mowing company over in the UK. You start with your first weed eater and your first uh, lawn mower, and you take on jobs and everything. You build your business up, and then you can get new garages. You can hire people and do all this other stuff. It's just the stupidest thing. I, I sat there. Like, cause you, it's real time. I mean, you're sitting there going through and mowing and weeding 30 minutes mowing people's yards. <laughs> it's, it's oddly therapeutic, but it's like, I don't, can't believe I'm sitting here doing this right now. And you got to pay for your gas. You got to set the blades right. You got to make sure your thing's on. If you run over flowers, you get deducted money. And anyways, just, that's just a fun, I, I recommend it. So imagine playing that all day and then going out with friends or something like yeah i was mowing lawns all day yeah, i've been long. mowing your lawn all day carl you sat in your chair all week long what are you talking about <laughs> yeah it's a lawnmower simulator <laughs> and then the other game which uh came out last this past week was lego star wars a skywalker uh, collection excellent game. oh god it's so much fun so i've played all the original Star Wars uh, Lego games, just because that was, I mean, it was early, late 2000s. I was still in high school when they came out. And, but what they have done is everything's, the graphics are updated, everything's great, but it's a different game now. Like, it's not, you're in these levels, it's open world. And, like, you're going to your mission objectives, and then you start, like, those little things. But it, it's a hard, the boss battles are hard. I've already completed episode one. I'm, I think, halfway through episode two right now. And it still creeps me out that uh, Padme was attracted to a little kid. And, you know, has children with him. But whatever. You know, space. I can't judge. All right. Um, so, it's just very weird, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. And I've been playing it i have to be in the mood for it but uh-huh. that's been my game of choice this past week when i'm not mowing lawns so sit on uh sit on game pass no I, I bought this one outright so yeah unfortunately but you know i'm okay with it i've got i'm almost full digital on things now which i hate yeah. it because my collection back here is staying stagnant but it's just easier to to buy digital and not have to wait for it to get delivered and i can play it as soon as the yeah. game's released so uh, I don't have any news this week. My news was I'm playing. I'm an LA lawnmower. I'm quitting my job and going full time in the digital space and mowing lawns. <laughs> so, <laughs> no new releases this week. Uh, again, we're in this big lull now where I don't have any games coming out until the later half of this year unless things get shadow dropped, but uh, which is great. So I can clear up my backlog some. I want to play some more of Cyberpunk. I want to play, obviously, I want to beat Elden Ring. If uh, I don't ever see myself beating Elden Ring, but I'm going to play it. I'm, I'm just having way too much fun with it. Um, I need to play uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Eventually jump in. Nah, I don't think I'm going to jump into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the DLC. I just don't care about the God Worlds. Uh, but I just want to clear out some of my backlog. They announced... Um, Kingdom Hearts 4 today, which 
and you know it's going to be four or five years before that game even comes out anyways so yeah but speaking of releases though all i have is back for blood tunnels of terror dlc comes out for everything on april 1st so that's nothing crazy i don't think i'm going to jump into it because i even beat back for blood i still need to beat back for blood that's another thing in the backlog which yeah. i'm using the gg app to know i need to play yeah. So see, I need to uh-huh. I need to update that. Yeah. I, every time I play a game, I, I'm trying to. I want to beat more games than I did last year, and let me see where I'm at now. Or play more games than I did last year. So if I well, what I do right now is I have a list on there, and my list are I played in 2021 and played 2022, and what it is is if I just touched if I got to the title screen of the the game, I put it in my list. Right now, uh, well, so last year I played 59 total games. This year so far, we're in beginning of April. I've only played 27, so getting there, but yeah, we'll see. I need, oh, I need to play Kenna some more. I'm getting done with that. Just one time to be alive. One time yeah. to worry about games. So, uh, but guys. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dardwhite Podcast. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms. And forget to rate and review this podcast on whatever podcasting service you use. Uh, social media, you can follow the Nerdwide account on Twitter at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. I tweet way too much about just stupid nonsense. And you can follow Chris at MavTN7. If you're on the Facebook side of things, make sure you follow us on nerdwide.com. So search it right in the bar with the first one that pops up. Click the follow button, and every time a podcast episode updates, it goes straight to there. Um, as always, this has been this week's episode of the Nerdwide Podcast, and we can't wait to see you next week for some, some more Moon Knight. And hopefully for some good news to bring your way. We'll see you then. Later, guys.